are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Locked On Seminoles. This is your host today, David Weiss. Yeah, I'm taking over and I'm joined by my boy, Drake. I almost called you Andres. I didn't want to piss you off this early. I, I was a, I'm about to slap the shit out you if you're going to call me that. By my, no one, no one calls me by the government name except for my parents, close, close friends that only include Cam. Right. And yeah, it's, that's it. Drake, you excited to talk some basketball today? It's Miami Day, but hey, Florida State basketball—that's what we're good at, right? I mean, yeah, we're—I mean, we're officially what a basketball school now. Even though me, me and Max are try, still trying to stay away from that moniker, but yeah, I'm I'm stoked to actually talk about some FSU basketball, especially after the win at Penn, and also just stoked that we're back with dunks, dribbles, and dimes. Yeah, man, this is our favorite series to do. It's a lot of fun, and it's fun when you're good. And this Florida State basketball team. Same year, same story. Looks an awful lot like classic Leonard Hamilton team. Small one-game sample size against Penn. But a lot to like from that game. Malik Osborne coming off the flu like a lot of the guys on the football team. Hell of a game. Seven offensive rebounds, 13 total, 18 points against Penn. You had four starters score at least 14. You saw some good things off the bench from the true freshman. Drake, what, uh, what stood out to you in that game? I think it's the guy Caleb Mills. I mean, it's finally nice to see we, that we got like a true point guard actually leading this team. As much as I love Scotty Barnes, he's not a true point guard. To me, that kid can you know go you can put him anywhere else. But with Caleb Mills, you actually have a true facilitator at the top of the key. And not only that, you have a player who, I, I, one thing I will say with Max that is a lot of basketball players like now are once they get you know hit contact to at the basket, they won't finish those go yeah. those contacts. He'll actually go and he initiates contact and still finishes the play. And I think there's a few you see actually against Penn that he capitalizes on that. Yeah, Caleb Mills, there's a lot to be excited about. Like you said, we haven't had a true facilitator of the basketball at the point guard position in what feels like a while now. That hasn't hurt us, but it can only help us to have one. Um, something something I want to I want to start with here. There's a lot of disrespect going on right now. If you look at the basketball ratings, it really is same year, same story. Really? You you look at the Ken Palm ratings, they have us 23rd. You look at ESPN BPI, they have us 39th. I know we lost a lot last year, but this is not the 39th best basketball team in the country. It's the same disrespect. It keeps a chip on this team's shoulder. And honestly, I'm happy about it. I'm glad the nation and the ratings continue to undervalue us. Like you said, Caleb Mills is an impact transfer. Yes, we lost a lot, but anybody watching or that knows anything about this Florida State basketball team should have known it was a plug-and-play system. Matthew Cleveland looked really good as a true freshman. John Butler looked like a serviceable replacement, maybe not right away for Balsa. Uh, you know, Raekwon Evans, he's, he's an upperclassman. We have some yeah, senior man. leadership on the court. People probably undervalue him in this system. Anthony Polite, kid can shoot threes. That's that's something we struggled at against Penn, admittedly. That's the one thing that kind of bugabooed me after the game. We went 7-22. Uh, Anthony Polite was kind of the shining star there from three, going three for four. Nobody else really lit it up. Uh, 
that's going to be a concern for this team, maybe. But if that's really our biggest concern, and I think that'll improve over time because we do probably have some shooters that can come out of the woodworks, this team is going to yet again compete for a tournament run. So how do you feel, given what you saw and what you know about ESPN BPI having us 39th? I mean, I personally really don't care about those kind of rings until maybe a few weeks in. I mean, I, I do understand where we're coming from, that they're disrespecting us as they usually do with basketball because as much as you know, we say we're a basketball school, we're a football school at heart, so we're not going to get the same love as our other ACC contemporaries like a Duke, like a UNC. But I think this roster actually, in my personal opinion, is actually built better than last year's roster. And that's primarily because I love MJ Walker, but... My man took a step back last year. I think it was from the injury, whether it be his back or anything like that. But I know I think it's with the Knicks now, so good best luck to him. Scotty Barnes was great, but I don't think Leonard Hamilton's teams are built to have like premier, premier star players. I mean, we had Patrick Williams and we had Devin Vassell, right? They developed really well, but they were they were true six men. Scotty, I think, was pulled out of games way too much when he was hot, and he's not right. the team was not built for that last year. And to me, this year we have a another potential star on Matthew Cleveland. I love that kid. I think that kid's really damn good. I think another underrated player that we saw for, I think, what, 18 minutes was Jalen Warley. And that's going to be another kid to really watch out for. And then finally, Naheem McLeod, the center, actually did finally got on the campus after, you know, not becoming eligible. Now he's here. That's a big bite and name to keep out for because as long, to me, Tanner Angon might be a decent player, but he definitely needs a lot more time to develop. I think Naheem McLeod is a perfect stopgap for him. And as you know, one thing that still, you know, kind of grinds my gears, and when we see our boy still playing in the damn game, and folks, if you—that's the first time you're hearing that. There's a certain player on the team that started that I think. Let me see, if I'm looking at the stats right now. He only had four points. Yeah, we don't say his name on this podcast until he yeah. actually shows something. So, if you want to look at the box score, I can't say his name, but he look for on the on the back on the chat sheet. There's some alliteration with his name. We'll leave it at that because we're not going to say it, and you can't make us. And those four points, by the way, were in garbage time. One fun thing about this team, Drake, if you looked at the Twitter sphere during and after the game, you saw from other fan bases, I think it was one of the Clemson guys that posted four or 27 footers on this team. We have four guys over seven feet tall. Length for this Florida State team continues to not be an issue. Dude, I'd, I has... I call, I make fun of you and uh, Max for being size queens of wide receivers when we like you never want a wide receiver below six foot five, but I think Cam Ham is the real size queen here. I mean, I don't think if I I don't think he's recruited a player below six six five. I think since like what the two thousand nine season. If you actually look at recruiting rankings, it is crazy to me that he's able to find not only these big men. But these athletic big men, I know before the show, we talked about John Butler, who I made, a, I made a small little joke, which was kind of half joking, where a man took one dribble and then a pull-up jumper for a, for a few points. I'm sitting there, I'm like, do we have Christos Porzingis Jr. on our damn squad right now? But we really, it's a testament to Ham and his ability to actually develop and cultivate a talented, athletic, and serviceable roster of people over seven feet. Because typically, you don't have KDs out there. And we might have people that are, Pretty damn good. I'm not saying they're KD-esque, obviously, because that's a different discussion for a different day. But there's something to be really excited about. Yeah, Ham said after the game that the defense was on point. And it will be good to get back to a classic Leonard Hamilton defense. Not that it wasn't last year, because, for example, Scotty Barnes was great on the defensive end of the floor. Now you're seeing that in the NBA for sure. But So good, dude. He's so good. We've talked about this. 
Leonard Hamilton did a hard pivot. Leonard Hamilton decided a few years ago, screw this, we're going offense. That went against his DNA. He has always been a defensive first coach. And now this Florida State basketball team is not ranked amongst the bottom in pace, pace of play. They're ranked towards the top. We're top 25 in that already. We're pushing, we're pushing the ball on offense. And and if you can couple that, we had a we had a good defense last year, but if you can couple that with an elite defense, and length has a lot to do with having an elite defense, this Florida State team will be capable of doing things that it hasn't in the past. And this year feels like a weird year that that would be the case. Because like we said, we lost a yacht. We lost a lot. We didn't lose a yacht. We did not. I, I would love to lose a yacht. That'd be I hard to too. do though too. <laughs> right. That'd be that'd be a good good spot to be in. But Malik Osborne, again, that's the kind of leadership we need on this team. Cameron Fletcher, we haven't talked about the Kentucky transfer. I completely forgot about him. He had a good he had a decent game too, actually. He did have a decent game. There are so many pieces on this team that people forget about. And you know, we said before the podcast, we before we started recording today, uh I said to Drake, the funnest thing about this team is that there's so much we don't know. We do know this will be a good team. We do know we have length. We do know we have guys that can score and some senior leadership in the starting lineup. But there's a lot we don't know with an awful lot of newcomers and transfers, but high quality newcomers and transfers that seem to fit Leonard Hamilton's system. Drake, do you think all the new faces to this team are going to hold us back? Or do you think that's a positive for us? I think it's a positive, honestly. I think that Ham has done a really, really good job of actually selecting players that are best fit for his culture and for actually what he's trying to accomplish. And I think it's there's no other testament to than Caleb Mills. I know I've, I've said his name a few times in the podcast. Actually, Dave was the one that actually pointed out to me last year when actually we got him that this kid's damn good. So I watched some tape on the kid. The kid, the kid has a really, really impressive arsenal of just dribbles and just like he'll he'll move you out of your shoes like i know it's against Penn. i know it's a guy that's probably gonna eventually be the ceo of a fortune 500 company but my man was in his bag bag the other <laughs> night just taking kids out of their shoes and quite honestly like to me ham would not bring someone in here if he did not believe that not only help the football the, the basketball team but also help them grow over the season because that was the one big thing that we had an issue with last year was like it felt that we lagged lagged down certain stretches and then we will go up and then go back down. And I think nothing, I, and I think that it was very evident in that Georgia Tech championship game yeah. that where we just, you know, just kind of just, you know, we didn't show up for the moment. And I think Caleb Mills and Cameron Fletcher are two really important examples of two players that will grow with the team as the season progresses. And that kind of is a scary thought, too, especially because I think Cameron's going to be coming off the bench. And that might be your future sixth man of the year, folks, right there. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, that's a good point. So one of the things Leonard Hamilton prides himself on, obviously, is bringing 10 plus kids at you over the course of a game so that when you're tired, we're fresh and our our rotation guys aren't that much worse, if not equal to our starters and equal to or better than your gassed players. It seems like we have an awful lot of guys who can get the ball done on both both ends of the floor, two way players that are going to be coming off the bench and fresh in games late in the first half, early in the second half. And that's going to allow us probably to go on some runs and put teams away earlier than we have in the past. One thing that we have in our situation again this year that we had last year, Drake, is who's our go-to guy? 
we talked a lot last year about is that going to be MJ Walker, right? It probably was never going to be Scotty Barnes because that's not the way the system was run to allow a true freshman to be our go-to guy. I mean, he was at times. He had a couple game-winning shots. But we thought it would be MJ. We weren't really sure. We saw some flashes. But even at the end of the year, I still didn't really know for sure who our go-to guy was. And it seems like this year again, we have some options, but I don't know who we're giving the ball to in a clutch situation at the end of the game. Who do you think that's going to be? I'm torn between two people, actually. Um, and you're right. I think one of the primary reasons why we didn't do as deep of a tournament run as we should have was because we didn't have any one person emerge as a solid threat. Even though Raekwon Gray had a great year, but yeah. he still wasn't a guy that, you know, like, you know, let me give it to big James Harden over there real quick to, you know, to ice the game away. He, he wasn't my number one pick for that. I'm torn between... Anthony Polite, because he has kind of blossomed and emerged as a leader on this team. Sharp shooter. And, and, and is a sharpshooter. And you want that man to ice every game just from downtown. But I'm leaning a bit more honestly to the Garner Goblin himself. I've been waiting to say that nickname yeah. for months now, Malik Osborne. Because as you said in our in our group text, he this is his money year. This is his contract year. And he showed everything that we wanted last year against Penn. Again, I understand against it's against Penn, who is, hasn't played basketball in over a year and a half. I don't give a damn. Yeah. As you, the way he played against them just showed me all the bounce I wanted from last year, the athleticism, the grit, the toughness. Because that kid is that kid's strong, man. And that kid, yeah. like, he, he flies through the air. So to me, I think it might be Malik Osborne moving forward because that kid definitely has become a leader on this team as well. Yeah, and if you're going to see a guy that you want to be your go-to, you're going to want to see a guy who has 12 free throw attempts in a game. And that's exactly what Malik Osborne did. Went 9 of 12 from the free throw line, put himself in a position to get those easy shots. Uh, nobody else in the game had more than six. Anthony Polite had six attempts, four for six. Free throw shooting, seven, a little over 70%. That'll be all right. Um, getting to the free throw line this year, probably going to be very helpful for this team. In addition to that, though, it's interesting. Because, like I said, we have four seven-footers on this team. We know it. Everybody in every other fan base who watches Florida State basketball knows it and gets pissed off by it. But, yet, at the center position, I don't know that we have any seven-footers that we're fully trusting of yet. Some of them are young. That's understandable. But it's funny because in that game, we played Malik at the five. And we had four guards in there. Now, again, that's going to change based on who you play. It was Penn. We could really have done whatever we want in terms of the starting lineup. But as it goes for these seven-footers, are any of them even going to crack the starting rotation? Or do you want them to? I don't think for right now you want them to. I think that you're going to be in a bad spot if you do. I love Naheem McLeod. I think that man has, has very a very, very high ceiling. Same with John Butler. But I just simply don't think they're ready for that yet. And I don't think Ham thinks they're ready yet either, because if he thought they were ready, they'd be starting. And I'm going to give all faith and credence over to Coach Ham, the best coach in the ACC right now, probably the best coach in the country, with if he knows what his lineups are. And I'm fine with Millie Osborne playing the big spot, because that man will will physically dominate you as someone that's like seven foot five. And I'm perfectly fine with riding it out that way. And and those centers, like you said, they're young, so they're not used to this kind of toiling of minutes, you know, actually on the court against people that have been in, been in systems for much longer than them. So I'm, I'm fine with it right now, and I think that's how it should be moving forward for the rest of the year unless someone actually emerges randomly, which 
FSU is prone to have well, at least one player just come out of nowhere and be an absolute force on the offensive and defensive board. So and we just wait on it. Yeah, and they're going to have their opportunities because, like I said, we run those rotations. You're going to see those seven-footers getting 10-plus minutes. I think both McLeod and Butler had 10 minutes in that game, and I don't think it was just because it's against Penn. I think you're going to continue to see that, for if, if nothing else other than for us to test out who could it be, who is it going to be. Malik at the five is interesting because he's 6'9", but he's 225, so he's a solid 6'9". He's not overly thin and frail, you could say, and he jumps out of the building. So we're going to be playing some small ball this year, boys. Drake, of all the newcomers, who's the most important to this team? Is it Matthew Cleveland? It's Matthew Cleveland, I'm not gonna, and I'm not going to belabor the point either just by going on and on about him because I think it's him. I like Jalen Warley a lot. Yeah, and because I think it's a great basketball name too. I ain't gonna lie to you. It really is. But Matthew Cleveland, though, I think is like he came in as a, a highly touted recruit. He's not the same caliber as Scotty Barnes, but I think he actually has. I think he's a better scorer than Scotty Barnes. I don't think Scotty was that particularly great of a scorer while he was like a shooter as he while, while he was here. I mean, we talked about his free throwing, three pointers, and sometimes I was like, Scotty, please be aggressive. And now we see him in the NBA actually being aggressive at the basket. And that could be more of a product of how Scotty is like no longer under ham system. So to me, I think it's Matthew Cleveland's the most exciting, is also the most important. I think the one, one with the highest, highest ceiling overall, the development-wise, will take a little bit longer. It might be John Butler. I yeah. know it's his second year here, but I just think when you have that sort of athleticism, scoring ability at that height, I'm gonna pick you nine times out of ten. That's some like and that's some Kevin Durant type stuff right there with one dribble to score. So I think the most important for this season is Matthew Cleveland. I don't think Matthew Cleveland's going to be here for past a year. I think he's that good, actually. But over the next three to four years, it's going to be John Butler. Yeah, and it's funny. So if you go on, for example, ESPN, and you look up John Butler on our roster, list him as a seven foot one forward, not center, forward, at 190 pounds. I need this kid to eat some cheeseburgers. I really do. Because if he can put on weight... Does he want some of my weight, bro? I'll take some of his weight. <laughs> <laughs> right. We need him. We need John Butler. I'm not sure the answer isn't John Butler. Having a guy that's six foot nine starting at the five, we're going to be able to get away with that. And it might even be our best lineup against certain teams and in certain situations. But having all these seven footers on the roster, there's a reason Ham got them. It's because they're important to what he does. It's important to have that length to clog up the middle. It's important to have that athleticism, especially at the five position, which John Butler is plenty athletic. He may oh, be seven, he may be seven one, but he, like you said, he may be like Kristaps athletic, yeah, and certainly Balsa athletic. So he is a serviceable replacement for for Balsa. I think Balsa's game really developed last year, especially on the offensive end. But if we can get a fraction of that from John Butler this year. I'm going to be really excited about the potential for this team. Drake. Yo. What's this team capable of this year? What do you think? I think we should take over the ACC. I think we should win the uh, in regular season and tournament, primarily because the only threat I don't see I see is Duke. I, I, I know Duke was really bad last year. I don't know, folks, if you all watched the Kentucky game, that's a different Duke team. I think it's primarily because everyone knows Coach K's last ride. Yeah. And you all know how I feel about Coach K, but he actually seems to be fully engaged this year so does his team as well um unc to me under i think the new head coach is hubert davis i think is the new head coach over there because Roll williams retired 
Yeah. Um, and to me, only UNC's I think threat might be Armando Bacal or Armando Bacot. Sorry, my apologies, my my guy. So to me, I think our ceiling should be again in regular season conference champs, tournament champs. And quite frankly, this team I think is extremely deep, and this is me being extremely optimistic. I think at worst we should qualify for an elite eight run. I think at best we can make a final four. I think that this is finally the year where Coach Ham can get over the hump because this team, it's not as deep as the team two years ago because it's a little bit younger. But I have a feeling this team can develop over the courses of a season because everything I saw in Penn, and I know it's against the Quakers. Like I said before, I don't give a damn. But this team looked as if they were already in midseason form and comfortable with each other. And that's a scary thought even on game one of the year. Even you go up against Bishop Sycamore or against DeVry, or against University of Phoenix. I don't care. This team, to me, could be special, and it could be a lot of fun to watch, and I'm very excited to cover it for the rest of the year. Yeah, and so we come into this year off a couple years back-to-back of relative disappointment, because two years ago, it sure felt like that team could have won the national championship. That's not could have. We would have. I'm going to say that right now. (laughs) Right. Dick Vitale, I think, was the one that said he had picked us to win the national championship that year. And he wasn't the only one. That was a na- that was a national championship quality Florida State basketball team. And we never even got the shot at it. So that was really disappointing. Fast forward to last year. Or now rewind, but fast forward from then. Should have won the ACC last year. That was very disappointing. It didn't affect our making of the tournament or anything. So it's not like it ruined the season. But that was the best team in the ACC last year. So this year, coming off a couple somewhat disappointments the last couple seasons, especially two years ago. Think about the fact that you're saying you expect this team to make another Elite Eight run after all we just lost. We just lost Raekwon. We just lost Balsa. We just lost potential Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes. And yet here we are talking about the fact that we're expecting this team to win the conference that also includes Duke in Coach Case supposed last year, unless they suck, and then he comes back for one more last year. But we're going to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, that's just reality. Uh, this, you're, you're wrong for that, bro. We'll, we'll see. Time will tell. But it's interesting because, like I said, the thing we don't – the most fun about this team is that we don't know what we don't know. We know there's a lot of potential here. Uh, we know we have senior leadership. We know we have impact freshmen. We know we have – the same length that the Leonard Hamilton defense requires. We know we have at least one sharpshooter in Anthony Polite. We know we have a ball distributor in Caleb Mills. That's the recipe for a team that makes a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And it would be weird to predict this team to be better than a team that featured Scotty Barnes. Uh, But that's not Leonard, Leonard Hamilton basketball. Uh, I forgot who it was, the recruit for next year, uh, that that said he was asked, you know, why why are you coming here? And his answer was Leonard Hamilton does everything he needs to put you in the NBA or something to that effect. And we now have the reputation of an NBA factory. That's incredible. Basketball has always been the redheaded stepchild of the Florida State University Athletic Department. Yeah, even, even with baseball, too, because remember baseball, you know, Buster Posey, shout out to future Hall of Famer, just retired, yeah. J.D. Drew, too, as well. 
yeah, you're right. Basket baseball has all. I'm sorry, basketball has always been just you know third, sometimes fourth in line too, because our track team also is pretty filthy. And right now, even soccer might, might be pushing for that fourth spot too. So yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, Leonard Hamilton just does not get the credit he deserves. Um, I think nationally, people are starting to kind of catch on now because every year they think Florida State's going to be like a fringe top twenty-five team, and every single year it ends with the same result that this Florida State team ends up like a top 10, 15 team that win, competes for, if not wins the ACC, makes a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And this is now a trend. This is Leonard Hamilton's basketball. This is a progr- the program that he's made it into. It's not quite the house that Bobby built yet. But I, I, I don't know that he's going anywhere, man. And it feels an awful lot like Leonard Hamilton needs that championship as the feather in his cap. I mean, that's the last thing, because that's the question. I think that's a lot, a lot of people's minds that, I mean, the talk you can call, you know, the temple that, you know, Ham erected. But to me, the one big thing about it is whether or not he actually can win that and whether his style of basketball can win a championship. Because if you typically look at actually basketball, you know, championships for the past, you know, 10 to 20 years, there's always at least one player on that roster that, you know, is a surefire first round, first overall pick, a surefire dynamo. Right. Someone takes over the game like an Anthony Davis. I think the last time you saw one, I think might have been the the team a few years ago was a Josh Hart. Even Josh Hart was like, no, I was, like, I was a perennial player with a Ryan Archdiacono. But yeah, typically that kind of basketball doesn't win you when it gets you far enough. Just ask Texas Tech from last yeah. year. Just ask Gonzaga. I know Gonzaga had the Drew Timmy kid, but other than that, who else do they really have on that roster? Uh, to me, it's going to be really interesting to see that if Ham can finally get that because I love Ham to death, but eventually you might become a victim of your own success. I'm going to take a little um, uh, phrase from our our local epidemiologist, Max Moody, saying that if the Cuckoo effect, where if if you bring us a sort of standard of continuously winning, continuously making deep tournament runs, but you never actually find a capitalized seal deal, not now, but maybe 10 years from now, you might be like, okay, is this guy ever going to be enough? So, All right, so Drake, it's, it's Miami game day today. By the time you hear this, it'll have been yesterday and we'll have already beaten Miami. But... Sunday, we have a big matchup. Yes, we do. We play Florida in men's basketball. Drake, you worried about this Florida game? Uh, in the words of the great Leonardo DiCaprio in the classic Wolf of Wall Street, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> and it's not, against, it's not against Florida. It's, I mean, they have really good players. Colin Castleton, is, I think, is going to be actually a star in the NBA. He's like... He typically is your taller kid that actually has great pose moves, super athletic. They also have really good transfers in former AC Defensive Player of the Year, CJ Felder, who transferred over from Boston College. They also grabbed Brandon McKissick and Philanders Fleming Jr. That's, it's not about the players for me in this game. It's more the coaches. Has Coach Mike White, when was the last time he beat us again with Coach Ham? Because I don't think he's won a game in several, several years, right? I want to say 2013. They haven't beat us in nine years, eight years. Yeah, that's the last time we were good at football, too. Buzzing. Oh, Lord. So, wait. <laughs> did, we, did we trade a Florida basketball winning streak for the football program? I'm, I'm not. Con- we might have traded our soul. Yeah, that might have been what happened there. I mean, that kind of brought, that probably legitimately happened. But no, on a serious note, the, I mean, this FSU team, I think, is really damn good. I think that their basketball team, I think, actually has the potential to be a pretty good team. How Because their roster actually is a little deeper than usual. But as much as, you know, we. We struggle against, you know, a Franz Wagner, a team that centers around like an athletic, you know, athletic big man. I think our team actually is built with more speed, athleticism. The one thing I am going to be worried about is 
our three-point shooting was not the best actually against Penn yeah. when it kind of should have been because of spacing. But I I am not worried about maybe a Matthew Cleveland or a a Caleb Mills actually being able to facilitate and attack the basket too. So to me, that's actually more what I'm going to be watching out for in this game. And I personally think that we, I think the line right now is at three and a half. I might take that up to six and a half because I think this FSU team is actually going to make make a statement on Sunday. Yeah, I do too. It's a, it's definitely a barometer game for this Florida State team. Do you mean a litmus barometer test? A litmus barometer test. Oh, we're bringing that back. Yes. That's exactly what it is, Drake. Thank you. All right. I got you. This Florida this Florida team, as much as I want them to be the worst team in the country, they're not. Uh, so Florida State in Ken Palm, and I know it's early, so I don't love metrics early, but has this at the 25th best offense, 26th best defense. So basically top 25 on both ends. Florida, number 29 offense, number 37 defense. That's a quality basketball team. Um, I don't think they're better than Florida State. I think we're going to learn a lot about whether the youth on this team is going to hold us back early. I think that's the biggest takeaway we're going to have from this game. Yes, the three-point shooting concerns me not too, too much, especially if we're getting to the free throw line a lot. But how are the fresh, the true freshmen going to perform and, and the underclassmen? Because if they're good in a game like this against a good team this early, I think we're probably ahead of schedule. Yeah. Right. So my expectations for this team are not going to hinge on whether we beat the University of Gainesville. But, <laughs> but, oh, I like that laugh. That was good. But if we beat them convincingly and the, fre- the true freshmen show out, I'm going to think that this team will be capable of competing for a national championship. I'm not going to be a downer on this team and say they can't, but I don't expect them to. I think there's too many question marks that have to be answered for me that can be answered but that I don't have proof or evidence of yet. And that's no one's fault. We have a lot of true freshmen. We have a lot of younger guys. We don't know a lot about this team. And I think we're going to learn a good bit about it against Florida on Sunday. I do think we're going to win that game. I do think that that line is awful juicy in that game. But, but it's not a cakewalk. Just because we've beaten Florida the last several, several times, seems like forever, that we've played them, does not mean that we're just going to go out there and win. We can lose this game, and we can do it by shooting poor from three, by missing free throws, by by the freshmen just putting up duds. I don't expect to see anything like that from Malik Osborne, and I do expect, I do expect to see if Malik is going to be that guy, because this probably will be a game that comes down to probably the final minutes. And I think at this point, you got to think the ball is probably going to be in Malik's hands. And if not him, then Caleb. So, so Drake, are you predicting us to beat Florida then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I actually have a little more faith in these kids than you do, I th- it sounds like. Uh, these freshmen, I think, actually are going to be able to step up to the challenge. I will say last year, I actually thought we were going to lose this game because yeah. of, of Keontae Johnson. Uh, thankfully that man is, you know, much healthier now. He's actually, I think he's on the staff right now. That kid actually, that kid's big brain at basketball, man. That kid knows his core stuff. I'm, I'm actually excited to see actually him coaching wise, like next, over the next few years. But once that happened, I mean, this is like, this game is going to, is going to take that kind of energy into this. Cause they definitely are going to want to be able to, cause now it's at Gainesville. They're going to want to win that game for their boy. The one thing, I mean, I am a little worried about Colin Castleton. Yeah. He's really prone to starting off very slow at the beginning of the year. And I think this is a good spot for us to capitalize on that. 
Now I knew I do know that Tyree Appleby got their start at point guard last game, and to me that's going to be a different dynamic, and because he rewarded them actually finally getting a start, so it's going to be it is going to be a close game in the final probably five minutes, probably still closer than my liking. Yeah, but I do see us pulling it off primarily because of being on the backs of a Malik Osborne, a Caleb Mills, and quite honestly, I'm not so I wouldn't be surprised if JT13, aka Anthony Polite, actually shoots a pulls up from three a few times, actually and hits a few few dice away. Yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna see a real clash of styles here. This is the last thing I'll say about this game. Florida State runs a quick tempo, 34th quickest tempo in the country. Florida runs the 231st quickest tempo. They're basically like Michigan from last year, where they're just trying to limit possessions. That's an in, I I never like those matchups. I always like to run the ball quick. But like Cam said after Penn, the defense was on point. If the defense was on point, it doesn't matter how many possessions they force the game to have, whether they slow the ball down. Because if they're not scoring, it doesn't matter. But my biggest thing that I want to learn about this, learn from this game is how much are these freshmen going to play and how are they going to play when they're on the floor? Are they going to rise to the occasion? If they don't, that's okay. I think they have plenty of time. If they do, like I said, this team's ahead of schedule and I'll have national championship aspirations for this team. Drake, any final thoughts? Folks, basketball is back. Triple D's is back. The boys are back. The boys are buzzing. We're excited to be here. I am. Dave is. I'm excited to see Max's, you know, development as a. We're not, Ham is not the only one developing basketball superstars out here. Yeah. We're doing the same thing with Max Moody right here because you know, if y'all weren't with us last year. He, uh, he wasn't a big basketball guy, and by the end of the year, he was cursing our team's name because they, uh, they let him down a little bit, which is you know a win in itself. So we're excited. Ollie and Stacy are excited, and we know y'all are too. So. So go Noles, baby. F-U-M, as the game is ending playing today, or yesterday, as you know, you're listening to this. But let's ride. Yeah. When you're listening to this, we will have beaten Miami, and we will beat Florida. You heard it here first. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, If you could rate, review, like, subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, we would really appreciate it. We thank you for listening. For David Weiss and... I said, don't, 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 you, don't you dare call me that. I'm going to bleep you out for saying that. Try All that right. Again. He's going to bleep me out for David Weiss and Drake. <laughs> this has been Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all Monday. <laughs>